Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Stephen Taylor. How are you two doing? Yeah, you know, I'm here. Yeah. Present. Present. Currently. I can say about the same. Yeah. (laughs) Probably not much more else you can say besides that, really. Some days, like, Mm -hmm. like, fuck, well, I woke up. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And we're a week into the time change. The changeover, mm. where it's now like dark at like five, oh, which yeah. is some. I mean, seriously affecting like, you know, I know a lot of people talk about it, but it's like, it is such a hurdle to get over, and it and really that's is. why I think we keep talking about it as far as like, the world keeps talking about it because it's such a like a it's such a bummer. It just adds so much unnecessary stress onto your shoulders of just having to operate your life outside of work in the dark. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Go to work in the dark, get out of work, it's still dark outside. It's like yeah. it was never light. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Also, too, like, I don't know. I was, like, definitely, uh, I was being uh, very pissed this week because I was like, Christmas is coming up. Places are already playing the music. And mm-hmm. uh, I was saying to a friend, I'm like, fuck christmas like we won't be able to get together like last year and then they're like actually you can't get together this year i was like oh okay well i guess i won't be as pissy now (laughs) (laughs) gives me gives a good excuse to just break out the alcohol like uh christmas like for what it's worth like i i do think christmas is probably more for kids if i'm being honest Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. there's a certain charm to christmas where it's just like yeah you know what i'm gonna get like pretty drunk at christmas like just <laughs> why the fuck not like just go go live your best life um you know but you know who's not living their best life donnie darko oh. <laughs> he's living with the the life that was predestined for him to live yes yeah awkward teenage life uh <laughs> yeah the official summary of Don Yarko, an awkward teenager befriends Frank, a figure in a bunny costume, only he can see who informs Donnie uh, that the world will end in 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds. And that's sort of the impetus for the movie. There's obviously a lot more to this movie than that. We've got Patrick Swayze, which it's kind of funny because this week they announced they're remaking Roadhouse. And at first I was like, the fuck? Why have Jake Gyllenhaal? Because they, they're casting him as the new Dalton. But I realized, oh, they were in this movie together. So I don't know. Maybe they passed trade secrets on how to be in Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, when was the first time you all watched this? I remember renting it because I didn't know about it. I don't, and I honestly couldn't tell you what its Canadian theatrical run was like. Mm. Um, but this one... 
this one it was like word of mouth like a but like an early internet buzz and everything that this was an interesting one so i remember renting it and i i definitely watched it more than once before i brought it back because it is one of those movies where you're like oh did it like when you watch the first time you're like oh did i miss something because mm. um, it feels like there's a lot to unpack and there is because richard kelly is so layered with his not just his filmmaking but his writing yeah. um and uh yeah i i mean everybody's really good in this movie too like it's such so well cast and uh i think at this point i'd only known gyllenhaal from bubble boy so he was super new to me yeah um i know who james duvall was uh from because of doom generation and a few other things Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, Independence Day, um, and uh, Jenna Malone was like a dream girl. Still, kind of is. Yeah, she's. I, I really enjoy her. She's been really terrible at things. I'm looking at you, Antebellum. Um, but uh, yeah, I always still really enjoy her and stuff. So, yeah, this this uh, this one was a movie that had hype that I feel lived up to it and is still pretty intact when you watch it yeah Mm -hmm. for sure i mean even now like i think it's like call of duty like one of those games added the bunny character in like the game which really fucking doesn't make any sense like like who 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 made this decision but like it's interesting the movie still lives on like even to this day in terms of like you know movies that people still watch to this day like I, I don't know of too many people who would ever be like, nah, I don't want to watch this movie. Like, you'd be like, let's put on Dark Darko. Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I think, I think I was, I remember sitting in the basement of my mom's house. I was a teenager. I had just finished watching Donnie Darko and I was going through the DVD uh, special, was it like a special features or something where they, mm. they have the actual book in the movie the philosophy of time travel or whatever the the title of it is. I should probably look that up. Um, They like had it in the special features of the DVD. And I remember reading that book or what was supposed to be that book. And like, it does put a lot of things or fill in a lot of the missing puzzle pieces that you don't quite get watching the movie the first time. Yeah. And I was just like, I mean, as someone who loves like background detail and those Mm -hmm. layers that some people do put in movies, I was just like, I loved it. I was, uh, I remember I thought about it for like probably the whole week after that, just being like, oh my God, Donnie Darko, he's a time traveler. He's blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Like it just like existed in my head for a week. So this is probably one of the, one of, well, I don't know if I would necessarily call this one of my favorite movies ever, but it definitely exists in that sphere of like, yeah, I am always down to kind of rewatch Donnie Darko, even if it's just to watch the actual character of Donnie Darko, stick it to a bunch of fucking adults that i would love to punch in the face if i knew them in real life you know um but just the added layer of this like sci-fi time travel or there's also kind of that question of like you as the viewer also have to kind of be like is this actually time travel or is this just the delusions of some guy who's suffering with like schizophrenia or like Mm. delusions or you know that kind of stuff so Yeah. yeah i don't know i greatly enjoy this movie by the way, kudos uh, to Steve for reminding me of Antebellum, a movie that I immediately forgot about <laughs> after watching it. Um, I, I apologize as well. Yeah. 
I mean, probably the most traumatic thing this week for me was probably re reminding myself of Antebellum. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had a very weird first watch for this because at the time, uh, I was living with my girlfriend at the time, and uh, like she had a roommate. Well, we had a roommate uh, who had a boyfriend, and uh, yeah, she invited the boyfriend over, and it was like, it was weird, because it was like Valentine's Day, and we went to a video rental store. This is how like old this is, like back when video rental stores were still a thing, and the guy's like, we gotta watch Donnie Darko, it's the greatest movie ever, and I'm like, eh, really? <laughs> I, I hadn't seen it, and so... The girls were like, uh, like, maybe we should get something more romantic. Like, I don't know, some Chris Evans rom-com or something. And he was like, no, we gotta get Dark Darko. So eventually everyone caved and we got Darnie Darko. And yeah, it was like, yeah, Valentine's Day. And we went and watched this movie, which is really not a romantic movie at all. Um, and, uh, yeah, we sat there and he was explaining everything in this movie. So sort of like that book you were talking about, except this was like just a person... <laughs> <laughs> telling me all these things that weren't apparent and uh despite all of this i i you know the not ideal uh situation for watching a movie i still ended up enjoying the movie um but yeah it's not one that i like i revisit personally a lot all the time but like yeah even like when we're re-watching it for the podcast i was like fuck you know what yeah darn yarko let's put it on i you know i have no qualms with put this movie on at any time and uh yeah, I, I think even like rewatching it, I was like, there's things I've noticed now that I didn't notice when I first watched it. So, I can only imagine if you've watched this movie like five, six, or more times or whatever, you probably still get some things that you take away from it that you didn't originally catch when you watched the movie. So, um, also too, I just like any movie that has Patrick Swayze in it. So, like, <laughs> immediately gets points for that. And kudos for making him not a hero, because like in so many Patrick Swayze movies, like you know he doesn't really play a villain. I don't think he played many villains in the course of his career, but like yeah, he's not even really the villain in this either. He's just very <laughs> misguided, I guess. It's got a lot mm -hmm. of issues. But. Yeah, he he definitely plays a good like sweet, sickly sweet kind of character on the front, but you know deep down he's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. I'm not reminding myself that he was the villain in Point Break, but he's still lovable <laughs> in Point Break. You can't really say he's the villain. He's just... I love Bodhi. I'm such a fan of Bodhi. Yeah. Well, now I'm like, is he really the villain of Point Break? I mean, probably, but also I don't really care. I I, I support him nonetheless. It's still <laughs> a great friendship between Johnny Utah and Bodhi, though. Yeah. Like, you still... It make him a sympathetic villain. Like... You know, you were never going to stop the trajectory of what he was going for. You just mm -hmm. kind of got to sit back and watch it happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the guy didn't really make a career at all of playing a bad guy. Like, he plays anti-heroes quite a bit. Like, even his, one of his final things, that series he did on A&E, The Beast. Mm -hmm. Like, he's kind, he's kind of the anti-hero that's kind of massaging these things along and manipulating his new his new recruit and everything, but mm -hmm. he's not exactly a bad guy. No, no. It, I think this is probably like one of the closest he comes to, to being like an unlikable person. Like, 
don't know when you find out about like the the kids and all that stuff. You're like, oh, okay, you're you're not great, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Um, got a couple emails. Uh, Wendy just says, "What was this movie even about?" <laughs> great Come question. On. A lot to Well, unpack. Wendy. Maybe it's time travel. Maybe he's crazy. Maybe it's a coming of age story. Maybe it's a story of a guy figuring out his place in the universe. A guy that didn't believe that he had a place in the universe at the beginning. Because he just kind of drifts through life, right? Mm-hmm. He finds purpose within this film. Yes, uh, his purpose is to die. Yep. Now, Wendy, if you've seen the movie Freaks and Geeks, this is basically a prequel to that. Where Morgan's <laughs> character, you know, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty funny, though. I think there is like a, a definite timeline to kind of the way that things happen in this movie where it's like the the thing that kicks it all off is this jet engine has basically fallen onto their house from another timeline or like an alternate universe. I think that's like kind of supposed to be what kicks everything off. And then in the correct universe, Donnie is supposed to die, but Frank leads him away from that almost as if to help him get the jet engine back to the original universe. It's a little mind fucky. And I've looked, tried to look it up and remind myself of all of the intricacies of how this time travel is supposed to work and what the timeline is supposed to look like and all this stuff. But I think if you're interested in that, definitely look it up because there's definitely more to it than just what is shown to you in the film. But there's a, there's a bit of a, a timeline to it that makes way more sense if you go back and read what was written for the philosophy of time travel and what was supposed to be going on kind of behind the scenes in Donnie's mind. But not all of it is made super clear on screen to the viewer, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think this movie, there's a lot going on with it. And yeah. I think one of the great things about it is, yeah, you can largely kind of, you know, interpret it in a few different ways, right? Like, mm-hmm. I like to think that, yes, he did time travel, mainly because that just sounds way cooler than a guy with mental issues. I'm, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's not right. But in my mind, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, he was a time traveler. He's just an awkward teenage time traveler, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I kind of feel like the same way. I, I don't want to just believe that he was just, like, seeing things or, or experiencing schizophrenia. It's like, it seems like so much more than that. It seems like he was having delusions that, like, legitimately were almost from the future in a way, you know? So it's like, how do you kind of explain that with just schizophrenia? But mm-hmm. at the same time, both of them, both of those, like, either time travel or mental illness could work as explanations for this movie, so... Yeah, it's a hyper focused moral of parents just don't understand. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, his parents are like largely not present. Like even those those dinner table things. The, I mean, I love the dinner tables in the sucker fuck scene. <laughs> it makes it still holds up so so great. But I mean, a lot of the adult. I mean, besides the catalysts of issues like Patrick Swayze's character or ones that are almost like on that level of like, I could get it if you could tell me type thing like Drew Barrymore's character. Mm. Um, But largely this is about that only the teens really know what's going on. Yeah. And only what 
they're supposed to know at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, right. And uh, Kyle says, if you like this, you should also watch Southland Tales, Richard Kelly rules. Oh, yeah. See, and I think that's another one that harkens back to, like, what's this movie about is Richard Kelly, in all of his films, doesn't spoon feed you a goddamn thing. And he mm-hmm. won't. Yeah. Like, it's, he's going to, he's going to reveal things to you in time. If you pick up on that, great. If you don't, well, I guess that's great, too. But mm-hmm. Southland Tales is very much, very much that encapsulated. Um. Yeah. So I feel like you have to like Donnie Darko if you're going to get any enjoyment out of Southland Tales. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like, yeah, I think like Southland Tales too. Like, it's an anthology uh, mm-hmm. movie too. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit of a different format. But I do agree that like, I think the like sort of the vague, not vagueness in a bad way, but like sort of the open endedness of the plot makes it mm-hmm. pretty interesting you know it doesn't quite spoon feed you answers you kind of no. have to come up with your own answers which some people don't like to do other people are like yeah i'm happy to dive, you know dive into this movie and come up with my own I, interpretations. I, I i totally know what hill i die on with it because i love the movie like it's one of my favorites of all time but i could totally understand people not liking it i can understand why it was a just across the board bomb um but i'll never understand why that it essentially um hindered richard kelly's career in a large large way like even the other move that we will cover the box they didn't get any sort of um wide um ad campaign or or any sort of push whatsoever which led to just a complete box office failure so it was like the mainstream um vehicle of getting movies out just completely left richard kelly in the dust because of southland tales oh yeah cool like they didn't even want to promote that Richard Kelly wrote Domino, which itself bombed as well. That's crazy. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, well, can I also bring up that Donnie Darko has one of the greatest soundtracks as well? Yeah, that's pretty that's good. Pretty good. I yeah. mean, I mean, Echo and the Bunnymen, Killing Moon, uh, Head Over Heels, Tears for Fears. Um, a notorious uh, Duran Duran. Uh, there's even a Pantera track in here. Level Terrace Apart, Joy Division, which is one of the greatest emo songs of all time. Uh, Under the Milky Way by The Church. Uh, that redo of Mad World by uh, Gary Jules, which was originally done by Tears for Fears. Um, the uh, I mean, Oingo Boingo's in this one. Danny Elfman connection. Uh, NXS Never Terrace Apart. I mean. Come on, this soundtrack is just banging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's see here. Uh, best line in this movie. There's a lot of great lines in this movie. Suck a fuck. Yeah. Suck a fuck is my favorite. It's the one I that me and my wife con uh, constantly um, reference. Too funny. Also, uh, calling people a fuck ass is pretty good too. Mm-hmm. I like that. Or shut up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that one hurts my heart when it happens in the yeah. movie. 
It really does. And like him trying to make it up to her and stuff, like it's still, yeah. I I, I... <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. I like the line where Donnie says, "Why are you wearing the stupid bunny mm-hmm. suit?" And then Frank says, "Why are you wearing the stupid man suit?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, when when Donnie Darko tells the snarky teacher or which whatever her kitty farmer I think her name is to shove the lifeline card up her ass. And she has that line in the principal's office. It's like, I'll tell you what he said. He asked me to forcibly insert the lifeline exercise cards into my anus. It was so good. <laughs> Her character was so fucking frustrating, but like she acts that character so well. Like mm-hmm. you just can't help but hate her. <laughs> Beth Grant is amazing. She's yes. such a great character actress. It's like Lynn Shay. There's these certain actresses that have been around for a long time that you know their face, you know their mannerisms, either and even in how they they attack each role. So so um, in their own way, but you forget what their names are. And yeah. Beth yeah. Grant's one of them. And uh, I would never doubt my own commitment to Sparkle Motion. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, actually i i gotta bring up the edward darko line mm. when uh when his mom played by mary mcdonald who's so great in this movie and it's perkins uh it's not Oz. no it's not Oz perkins somebody i forget who uh he was he's basically been in all richard kelly's movies but he she's like our son just called me a bitch he says you're not a bitch you're bitching but you're not a bitch. Oh, I forgot about that. That was so good. That was so hilarious. Kelly, like, you know, that's not you know, that's not quite what she wants to hear. But no, not at all. Like, he <laughs> thinks he's helping. It's so funny because there's such a naivety to both the parents. Yeah, that really makes me laugh. But it's really funny because this common ground, and usually when when we're doing the best line, we we throw a couple out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's kind of like we move on. But the thing about Donnie Darko, and I, I think it's the same about all of Richard Kelly's writing. Maybe not the box, and I, I know, I know we'll get into that. But he is so infinitely quotable in his writing, and I think that he really, he he really has like a connection with the audience in some of the lines that he writes that become so memorable. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And Donnie Darko and, and Southland Tales are very much indicative of that. There's so many Southland Tales that uh, lines that I like. I, there's there's a John Lovis line where he's like, "Do you want to fuck or watch a movie?" Like just, <laughs> just the way he delivers it is so perfect. So yeah. yeah, I love Richard Kelly. This is both of these are going to be love letters to Richard Kelly, even though I'm not as high on the box this time around. No, yeah, no. I rewatching the box. We'll get to that. That one, but it's like uh, I don't think this nearly holds up as well as I remember. But. No. All right. Um, best performance. It's got to be Gyllenhaal, right? Yeah, Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal's really good. He it's such a bold performance. It's boldly understated as well for a guy that was really kind of just learning what he could do on screen. I mean, he's not, he's not a, um, he, he's not like, a, a, a he's not foreign to, to the, the, the industry because I mean, that's where his family came from and stuff. But like, 
uh, as far as being a leading dude, like this is the second movie. It is not a goofy movie like Bubble Boy was in this insanity filled <laughs> film, but it is still crazy in its own ways. And it's definitely a genre film that doesn't have a set place in any set genre. Mm. So, it was yeah. Funny when you said it's not a goofy movie, I wanted to reply with like, yeah. Yeah, the Goofy movie is a classic. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was a Goofy movie? What? Oh, I'm going to get all those songs stuck in my head and start singing them now. I know, right? Uh, just remember that Polly Shore was in that movie. I think it's probably the only Polly Shore performance I can stand. I have Wait, a soft I feel, spot for Polly Shore. I feel Shore. dumb. Who was Polly Shore in the goof, Goofy movie? He's the friend. Yeah, the, the one that likes to eat spray cheese oh, and stuff. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You're right. I did not even realize that. I just sing all the songs. That's all I do. I sing the songs. <laughs> I mean to be to, to be completely like like this is who he is. Um his he's his character. Um well I'm looking it up here and I'm lost. Well, there's a lot of voices in this. Like Joey Lawrence was in that movie. Like, what? This is when we stopped talking about Donnie Darko and just talked about a goofy movie. Goofy like, movie. <laughs> um, it's funny. My um, my friend, my friends in the in the states uh, that I met through podcasting, uh, one of their uncles is Kevin Lima, who directed the movie. Wow. Oh dang. Yeah. So I have a I have a personal connection to a goofy movie. So bam. <laughs> I think like when Disney Plus first came out, it was one of the first few movies that I just searched to be like, okay, Disney Plus, prove your worth. Do you have a goofy movie? And they and, did. Yeah, they did. So, kudos. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, best kill in the movie. Really I mean, Frank? Yeah. Yeah, I also put Gretchen when she gets run over by the car because that was kind of brutal. Yeah, yeah. I would and say that too. honestly, I forgot that that had even happened in the movie. So when it happened, I was like, "Oh fuck, that right? Ooh, she's yeah. dead. She's super dead." Mm-hmm. Um. Cool. Uh. Yeah, I can't really think of anything else other than Frank. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Does Donnie die at the end? Is he just time traveling? Yes. Like, I I would say def with definite that he dies at the end. Yeah. Which I guess if he dies at the end, technically that means Frank and Gretchen both aren't dead. Then they're yeah. both alive. Yeah. So do they even erase that timeline? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it's time for Dumbest decision. Uh, that's hard for this one, I think. Yeah. Unless you count all the adults who were just assholes and made terrible yeah, decisions. The, but... I would say the aloofness of a lot of the a lot of the adult characters. I mean, something that I've already alluded to before. Mm-hmm. Um, like both Rose and 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 Eddie have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And is that? But is that their own doing? You know, like. Yeah. Are they so wrapped up in their own lives and their own problems that they don't see what's going on? See, it's really funny because I think around because this was 2001. This came out. I think around that time is when I when I, I want to say that's around the same time that 
No, American Beauty was two years before. Mm. It has that same kind of aloof parent quality, though. Mm-hmm. Where, where the, you know, the parents have zero clue what's going on with their own kids. And that they think these their, their kids are so, like, plain milquetoast. Like, they just go to school, have their friends, and that's it. And there's no there's no deeper substance. There's no uh, deeper emotions. There's no thing you know forming of their identities going on. And maybe it was like a ninety like late nineties early two thousands parental thing trope that. But I always I also feel like it's kind of like a template for for parents. Mm-hmm. But you can still kind of believe it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Is is the entirety of Sparkle Motion kind of a dumb decision? Like this movie, <laughs> this movie does a lot in in terms of like vilifying adults who see or who sexualize children too. Like there's a whole yeah. character who is obviously a pedophile and gets found out. Mm-hmm. But even with all of the Sparkle Motion stuff too, there is this underlying of like oh like really they're gonna get up on stage and dance in front of all these adults and like it's framed in a way that makes it seem really creepy or like just Mm -hmm. yeah um so maybe just don't do sparkle motion at all (laughs) yeah oh that reminded me of just thinking of uh the swayze thing reminded me of that kid in the self-help video I'm not afraid anymore. Oh my goodness. I forgot I was going to put that as one of my best lines too, because that made me laugh so much. It's so funny still. Like <laughs> I, again, me and my wife quote so much from this movie and that one. I'm not afraid anymore. Yeah. I only gets caught, quoted quite a bit. <laughs> I think there's a, a blink and you miss it thing in one of those videos too, where Patrick Swayze's character actually grabs the ass of one of the kids in the videos that they watch in the classroom. But it's like, if you don't, know that it's there you would never see it that's like Mm. something i didn't see it myself it's something i read about on the tv tropes when i was reading up about it afterwards but i feel like there's lots of those kinds of little hidden things throughout this movie too Mm -hmm. yeah Um, i'm gonna say dumbest decision was whoever decided to cast seth rogan in this movie because it was very distracting and (laughs) but like that's only now that it's distracting I just, I really, you could tell I'm really like picking nets at this point because I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a hard time too. I have a hard time trying to reveal any failures of this film. Yeah. Yeah. Like even rewatching it, I just like, I have this, like, I keep doing this, like, I want to hug it. Like, I just, I just love it <laughs> yeah. that much. Like, I just, I, I look at it with, and, and I mean, the Arrow 4K is the best addition to own of this it's so fucking mm. cool um but i'm such a big fan that i even own s darko oh dang wow. i don't yeah. know if i watched that at all right mm. right i don't think anybody watched it <laughs> yeah but it's got davi chase in it mm-hmm. she reprises her role that's awesome um Oh, and speaking of Davi Chase, did you guys ever, any of you guys ever watch um, Big Love? Big Love. Uh, I don't With think Bill so. Bill Paxton? Davi Chase is in that one, in that okay. show, and plays a very, very interesting role. Um, yeah, uh, I'll leave it at that because I think people should watch Big Love. I, I know it was a hit, kind of a hit at its time, 
uh, that really didn't get celebrated to that final season. But, and I know this is a big words, but it's one of Bill Paxton's greatest performances. Wow. So, uh, any Bill Paxton fan out there, if you haven't seen Big Love yet, you better get binging that. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Uh, I think it's time to rate and review this. What's everyone thinking for a score? Um, is I, I'm very transparent. I think you guys can predict exactly what I'm going to say. I'm going to say you're going to say a 10 out of 10. Damn right. <laughs> Donnie Darko is fucking perfection. It will always exist in my favorite films of all time. It never pales when I watch it. Um, and, uh, oh my God, this cast in this movie is so well put together um and it's all like for any struggling screenwriter out there donnie darko should kind of be like a background template of how to write a really compelling story mm-hmm. yeah i i have to agree although i feel like i'm giving it an extra point because of the little uh, emo taylor that watched this as a teenager and just <laughs> absolutely could like was obsessed with it for a full mm-hmm. week Mm. um rewatching it again just brought me back to that like oh god there's so much going on here and i just need to read all about all the background shit well um and i love that stuff so it was like did you feel your feel yourself like smiling a lot during this movie for how dark this movie is you are really like happy watching it i don't know it's weird it's like you really i mean it depends because obviously it depends how you feel about donnie as a character but like Mm -hmm. you really get pulled into his world right Mm -hmm. and you're right Mm -hmm. there along with him and when you realize oh yeah he's gonna burn that dude's house down he he's like flooded the school and he's like standing up to all these asshole teachers and shit like it's it's dark but it's kind of hard to not be on his side at the same time because I don't know. There's almost a sort of kinship there. But again, I don't. I can't tell if that's just because I watched this as a moody teenager and and felt a lot of that stuff too, right? But yeah. But yeah, no. It it I I it is that almost sense of there's a contentment as you follow Donnie on his journey, and even though you know something bad is going to happen, um, I don't know. It, it 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 there's a resolution at the end, and it's, and he especially when he smiles as he lies down in bed at the end. You can't can't help but feel like okay things are things are right again in the universe. <laughs> he seems fulfilled, oddly yeah. fulfilled. Like he has served what his purpose is, which is so messed up for a teenager to feel fulfilled and like they've done everything that they've they are supposed to do and that they can now accept the darkness and uncertainty of death. Like it's so messed up. Yeah, at its core. Yeah, well, he got a glimpse at the way the universe works, and it, and mm-hmm. with him still in it, it's too chaotic. So, yeah, he's, he's got to give it up. That's mm-hmm. so crazy. Imagine knowing the workings of the universe at seventeen years old. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like um, two thousand one Space Odyssey, but with an awkward teenager. Oh my God! The yeah, the if the monolith was presented to an awkward teenager. <laughs> Donnie uh, Darko might be able to overcome it. I think, <laughs> I think yeah, that th- there's a good possibility. Uh, I I feel terrible, but uh, I'm gonna <laughs> give this a nine out of ten. Uh, I think it's good. I think I don't know. For me, it doesn't have the staying power of like that it does for other people. I still respect like what it means for so many people and like how they enjoy it. And I still really enjoy the movie. It's just, yeah, 
to me, like, I don't know. I watched this and I was like, I don't mind putting this on, but I also was like, I feel like I could probably go another like five, six years before watching this again and be perfectly fine too. Um, mm. But it is still really good. Uh, I also think I probably missed out on that nostalgia of like, yeah, reading the book or like, I know some people like checked out websites at the time and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, I think if you were uh, in and of the time where that was happening and you watched it then, I think it probably would have held a lot more weight for people over the long run than it does for me. Like, I just kind of missed that a little bit. I ended up watching the movie like later in life. So, I mean, I still like it, but yeah, I think I kind of wish I was there for that and like watching it like that. Cause I think it would have made quite a big difference. So, mm-hmm. mm, yeah. I think these both uh, both these movies we're covering are very far off the base of a Tremble film. Yeah, I was um, watching these, I was like, I don't know if these are horror movies, but yeah, no, it's it. not. I don't think it is. I don't think it is at all. I think it's a, I think it's a fantasy drama. Mm, yeah, like very much at its heart. There's, it, I, there's not even any like. Scenes to me that really come across as scary or quasi scary at all, right? Um, and I, I largely, I think, I think maybe any of the horror elements are just kind of drived down to is the mystery of not knowing what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, Steve, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm at the Steeple Dead on Twitter and Instagram and on Letterboxd, uh, which I'm review caught up. Uh, I think the last thing I reviewed on there was the horrible Home Sweet Home Alone. <laughs> um, but I also reviewed Passing, which is available on Netflix now, featuring two incredible performances here by Tessa Thompson and uh, Ruth Naga, who is one of my favorite underrated actresses out there. Um, and then my website, stevestebbing.ca, and I'm on The Shift with Shane Hewitt every Thursdays at 11 p.m. Pacific across Canada. And I also do uh, one of the three Friday things on the Jazz Joe Hall show local to Vancouver. Nice. All right. Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I am on Instagram and Twitch. My username is Um, I stream... November I'm doing Mondays and Fridays but I'm mostly just doing like writing where I try and get writing done for NaNoWriMo this month Um, Mm. and then sometimes I'll play like video games or do artsy things too Um, and that's pretty much it if I post or do anything else exciting I sometimes will post about it on my blog which is circeanic.home.blog okay and I'm over at threeingreeners.com. I think the latest episode has got up. have reviews for Cowboy Bebop, which is great. Tick, tick. I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I mean, it, it It definitely, they didn't change too much. They definitely, like, mm. condensed some things from the mm-hmm. original show, like, combined things to make it a little more efficient. But it is still the same show. And, yeah, I, I, I love it. I think if you watch the opening scene to that show and don't love it, you're fucking dead inside. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That casino scene's insanely good. It's so good. And the casting is so great. John Cho is fucking phenomenal. And, like, yeah. I mean, thinking back to the old Cowboy Bebop, I'm like, he's so perfectly cast. 
yeah, I'm a little like, uh, he's a little too old for the role, but then I watched it. I'm like, yeah, he's fine. Like, yeah, right. We keep forgetting that John Cho's like 52 years old. Oh my word. Yeah, but the man doesn't age. He's like Paul Rudd. He doesn't really age. No, no. All that there was much. Like a few scenes where he takes his shirt off where I was like, eh, I can kind of see the 50, whatever, mm, a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, but yeah. Spike doesn't have a shirt off a lot no. in it. So no, no. it's like it's it's passable, I, and I don't know. I I don't have any experience in the people that play Jet and Faye Valentine, but I love Faye Valentine so much. The guy that played Jet, the last thing I remember him in, he was in Luke Cage. He oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, which is not that great of a show, but. And I I love the I love that they kept the jazzy score to it and everything, and like oh. If you... I'm, I'm digging it. Ehrlich hates it. David Ehrlich fucking hates it, but I think yeah. it's great. Well, David hates a lot of things. So. He does. I, I feel like I meet up with him on some stuff, and I'm so far apart for, with him on other stuff. Yeah, and, like, yeah, there's some things, like, I know he just hates just because he, he of what it is. Like, if it's a Marvel thing, you know David's going to hate it. Like, yeah. No. yeah. I, I, I know we're, we're stretching out this ending a bit, but... it. I've read something that because of Eternals that Z Chloe Zhao has now been pulled off of a project in the Star Wars universe, and I—that's th unfair, right? Yeah, I, yeah, right. I think uh, yeah. I'm gonna say something maybe a little controversial, but I think Chloe Zhao works best in her own playhouse. I don't think she. Needs I to agree play with Marvel or Star Wars. Like she should be doing her own thing, and I think Eternals I agree. was. It was her trying to play into someone else's sandbox, and I don't think she needs to do that. I, I agree. I just don't I, I don't like seeing this as she's being punished, because why are we punishing her in the same way that she fucking cleaned up at the Academy Awards this year? Like she yeah. she is a special filmmaker, so I don't I don't understand the fact of downgrading her as that as that like it's, it sucks. I, I think yeah. it just sucks. And it's so, like, fleeting. It shows how fleeting all of this shit really is. Yeah, for sure. And it bothers me. I don't know. I just wanted to get that rant out before we ended. <laughs> I just, yeah. I've talked about this before, but, like, I think people are are talking about uh, bad, the, the wrong bad things in this movie. Because there's some issues with Eternals, but I don't think it has anything to do with... Um, like the story choices that she makes or anything like that. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then also tick, tick, boom, which, uh, I enjoy oh, it. I'm watching it tonight. It's, it's good. It, it's a little all over the place plot wise, but Andrew Garfield kills it. So, and then, yeah, home sweet home alone, a movie that you should <laughs> just not watch. <laughs> like, I don't think there's any amount of alcohol or weed that could make that movie tolerable. No, It'll make it worse. Yeah. You'll yeah. feel the time. You'll feel the sands of time crawling <laughs> in an just, hour and a half movie. I was, I don't know why I was so optimistic about it, but going in, I'm like, <laughs> oh, maybe it'll be good. I, and then I'm like, I wanted to, I saw Rob Delaney and, and, uh, Ellie Kemper in it and Pete Holmes. And I'm like, oh, come on. Just, yeah. just give me something good. I <laughs> like all these three people so much. We we had Especially too P. high Holmes. expectations for, for <laughs> this, but uh, yeah, I, I, high expectations that we couldn't get high enough for. And but, <laughs> and then I don't know the next one. I, 
I think I'm talking about uh, the new Ghostbusters. But go see Belfast because I have not talked about Belfast as much as I could be. But fucking Belfast is the movie of the year. It's so great. Nice. Yeah. I even took my girlfriend last night because I was like, I need to make sure it's not just me that loves this movie. And then she was like, yeah, it's it's great. So, you know, go watch Belfast. It's in theaters now. And just probably, I mean, yeah, not even probably. It is Kenneth Brown's best work by like a large margin. <laughs> Like, sorry, Artemis Fowl, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm on Twitter, Film Critic Kurt. And yeah. Uh, right. Well, until next time, everybody. Bye for now.